Hi, welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, a podcast where we study the scriptures together, uh, where we learn and where we try to grow and where we try to become better versions of ourselves, uh, not only just for us, not for our brothers, but for for the Lord. Um, today's episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, uh, it's a very special topic. It's a topic that um, not a lot of people want to discuss um, because in a sense, it's kind of hard to discuss it. Um, but today we want to discuss the scriptures become real when God says no. You know, have you ever um, prayed for something, prayed about something, and you've received what you prayed for? Uh, remember the feeling of joy, of elation that you had when whatever you prayed for, it came to pass. And you were so thankful to the Lord and you said how much of a blessing it is that you received what you got and how great God was. But I want you to go back to a time when God said no. When you prayed about something over and over, maybe it was a couple weeks, maybe months, maybe years, you prayed about one certain thing or a few certain things, and then it didn't come to pass. What do we do as Christians when God says no? You know, we know what to do automatically. And when he says, yes, we're grateful, we're thankful. But do we have that same gratefulness? Do we have that same thankfulness when he says no? Because sometimes his no's are great yeses too. And we'll get into that later. Um, but before we start the podcast, um, again, we want to start with our positive quote for the day. Um, kind of something that reminds us of what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> and I looked at one today. And it says this, when God says no, we are sometimes tempted to wonder if he loves us. But in reality, it's because he loves us that he sometimes says no. I think that's a very uh, profound statement there. You know, God knows our blessings and we should we should be grateful for when he's when he says no sometimes. You know, sometimes we can't get everything we pray for. Sometimes things don't go our way. But we have to trust God. And that's something that we're going to discuss. When he says no, there's two things that are very important to the Christian when God says no. When he says no, the Christian needs to trust him, number one. And then the Christian needs to learn how to wait. Those two things, trusting and waiting, when God says no, it will help you to get through that. And you'll be able to see when you look back that you weren't ready. And you know, we discussed in, in, a, in a previous podcast um, a book of the day, <clears throat> and we're going to reference it again today. Uh, but again, if you didn't listen to that podcast, I'm going to reference that book again. It's called Those Who Wait, Learning How to Wait on the Lord in an Impatient World by Rosemary McKnight. I highly, highly encourage you to go get that book. I've been studying that book lately. Um, I've read the book multiple times, but every time you read it, you get something new out of it. Uh, it is a wonderful book. It, it, it helps you to change your mindset on how to wait when things are great and when things aren't great. And it tells you how to do that. What kind of mindset should the Christian have? And there's one chapter. I want to look at this. Um, one chapter talks about renewing your strength. And remember in Matthew chapter 26, again, we want to use the Bible. These, these are great supplements to the scripture, but this isn't scripture. 
Uh, it's a great supplement to it, but we want to use the scripture uh, to answer our questions. So if you have your Bibles, and if you can hear mine, I'm turning, and I hope you are too. Go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And I want to start in verse number <clears throat> uh, verse number 30, uh, 37. Now, let's kind of set the background here. Remember here in Matthew chapter 26, we have the conspiracy against Christ. We now have Judas uh, getting basically getting ready to betray the one that he so-called loved in Christ. Um, and then now we are here in verse 37. And remember, Christ tells him, look, please just, just sit with me. You know, sit with me while I go and pray yonder. And now we're here in verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here and watch here with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You know, that there, that one verse, <clears throat> that shows the human side of Christ. Can you imagine being deity, being Christ, and every day of your life, you knew the pain and you knew the suffering that was going to come your way. And the human side of you, knowing the, the intense pain that you will feel, I wouldn't want to go through that. And Christ here, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as thou will. Christ was saying, Lord, this, this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough. Please let it pass. But he said, it's, it's not what I want done. It's what you want done, no matter what I have to go through. And that's a beautiful attitude that Christ had. But what if he would have said the opposite? You see, he, was so, he would have been selfish. But Christ knew, not as I will, but as I will. Going back to the book, I want to read an excerpt here. This is what it says. Uh, she, she writes here, It takes some of us a long time to accept that phrase, not as I will, but as thou wilt. We want things our way. Sometimes we pray for something so long and it doesn't come. We wait and we pray. We wait and we pray. We wait and we wait and we pray. And we have faith that God will answer this prayer. Then the weeks, they turn into months. And then the months, they turn into years. And then we begin to ask, why won't God answer my prayer? But we've been praying for something so specific we don't leave room for God to do what is best for us. Then finally, we begin to realize God may have something different in mind for us. And then we begin to pray, not my will, but thy will be done. Turning the decision over to God takes, off, takes the burden off us. Our faith becomes strong again, knowing God is going to do the absolute best thing for us. Watch this last one. It may not be what we had in mind, but God's wisdom is far greater than ours. 
That's, that's amazing. And don't you get caught up sometimes in that too? Haven't you get, got caught up in that? You know, you pray for something for so long and you're so specific on what you want. And you pray for it every single day. And then like the writer says, you know, weeks pass, months pass, years pass. Nothing comes. And then you start to question God's love for you. Lord, do you really hear me? Do you really understand my prayers? Do you really understand what I want? God hears you. God hears me. But he is going to do the absolute best for you. And sometimes that may not include what you thought was best for you. You see, that's, that's the tough part of when God says no. You see, when, when God says no, we already have a predetermined thing of how things should turn out. We have a predetermined thought of how things should go or, or how we want things to happen. And then when life happens and it doesn't happen the way that we want it to happen, then we get mad at God because it didn't follow our plans. But the only thing God is doing when he says no is he's actually helping us. And we should be grateful for that. But in, in the moment, it's hard, to, it's hard to see that. She goes on to say, she writes another phrase in this chapter saying, not my will, but thine. She writes this, accepting God's will for our lives is not always easy. We always pray and we always say, well, thy will be done. But we sure hope that God's will goes along with our will. You ever done that before? You ever prayed for something? And then at the end of the prayer, you say, Lord, not as, not as uh, I will, but as thou wilt. But then you hope that what he wants is exactly what you want to. It's just the human side of us. That's, that's how we do things. But he says we want things to turn out the way we want them to. One of the most important things in waiting, watch this, is to stop looking for our answer. That's, a, that's key. When you pray about something, when you pray about a situation, when you pray about a person, when you pray about whatever, don't think about how things should happen in your mind. Look for God's answer. That's so helpful because when you start to look uh, how you think things should go and it doesn't go your way, you'll get discouraged and you, you might quit because things didn't happen the way you wanted them to. But in waiting, or when God says no, look for his answer. She asked this, this question, and I asked this question as well. How can God's will be accomplished if our own will is in the way? You see, God can't use you. God can't use me. We have to always look for his answer. We always have to look for his answer. One thing she writes here, she says, rest assured, however, that God does hear your prayer and he will answer them. His delays, they're not refusals. God never forsakes those who remain faithful to him. He may ask us to wait, but he'll never abandon us. That, that's an awesome thing there. God will never abandon his people. Well, how do you know that? You remember in, uh, in Exodus, let's actually turn there real quick. And I know I reference him a lot, but his life, his life is one that I want to emulate so much and that I've been told to emulate so much is the life of Joseph. He is probably by far my favorite um, 
character in Scripture. But I want to notice something. If you go to Genesis chapter 40, remember where Joseph is at. Remember we're talking about what do we do when God says no? How do we handle that? Think about Joseph's situation here. Joseph is just put in prison for being accused of doing things with with Potiphar's wife wrongfully. And Joseph is in jail wrongfully. Now, in chapter 40, now remember, he meets the butler and the baker. Remember, then they have the dream, then he interprets both of the dreams. Now, I want you to notice, Joseph wants to get out. But watch, God provides in a sense of providential no here. Look at this. If you look at Genesis chapter 40, and let's go to verse, uh, verse 21. Everything comes to pass. And then verse 21, and he restored again the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet, watch this, did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but he forgot him. Remember when Joseph said, remember when you get out, remember me. But he forgot him. And then the verse 1 of chapter 41 And then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Man, imagine being Joseph. You know you're not you're you know you're innocent. You want to get out of jail. And you said you helped this man, and the man forgets about you for two full years. Think about this. What if remember we're talking about what do we do when God says no? God saying no, that has a lot to do with his timing. He says no because maybe it might not be your time to do what I want you to do yet. He says no, it might not be your time uh, to be this yet. You're not ready. Sometimes we get so ahead of ourselves when God says no. I know this is a, a secular example, but I believe it works. I remember uh, in high school uh, playing basketball uh, I was, uh, I believe I was a sophomore and, uh, I was playing on the sophomore team and then also moving up, uh, to the junior varsity and varsity team. And I remember talking to my coach, I remember telling him, give me, give me a chance. I mean, because, uh, my brother, he was a freshman at the time and he was already playing varsity. And at the time I felt I was, I was one of the better sophomores on the team. Uh, they saw me as a leader on the team and, I told the coach, you know, give me a shot. You know, let me go, let me go up to, to JV and varsity. Let me go up and prove to them and prove to the varsity coach what I can do. And he wouldn't let me do it. And, you know, practice after practice went by. And I continued to excel there with the sophomores, but I felt like I was so much better. And I felt like I can go and play with these guys at varsity. And so one day, you know, the coach said, okay, you know, you can try it for a week. Don't practice with us. You practice and you do everything with the JV and varsity. I was so excited. You know, I was so ready to prove to not only to my coach, uh, not only to the varsity coach, but to everyone that I could play and I belong here. And so I, re- I remember like it was yesterday. We ran the same drills. We didn't do anything differently than we did in sophomore practice. But I remember I slowed everyone else down. I wasn't stronger than everyone else. They were faster than I was. They were stronger than I was. They were smarter than I was. Uh, they knew where to be, and it was, it was a terrible practice. And I remember just 
messing up time after time, couldn't get the play. Things that were so easy to me with the sophomores became so hard for me when I was with the varsity guys because it became so hard and they were so much better than I was and they were more mature than I was. And so I I couldn't fit in. And so I remember coming back down to the sophomores and telling the coach, you know, you were right. You know, I wasn't ready. And so sometimes we do that spiritually. You know, we think we're ready for things. You know, Lord, I'm ready to be this. I'm ready to be that. I'm ready to have this. Why won't you give me this? Well, maybe if when you get it, you're not ready for it yet. And sometimes God, God's answer is a no. And think about this. Joseph wanted to get out here in Genesis chapter 40. He didn't want to be there anymore. I'm here wrongfully anyway, so why do I have to be here? So I help him. I tell him, don't forget me. Then at the end of two years, he's still there. Remember, this has to do a lot with God's timing. What if Joseph would have gotten out then? He would have gotten out a couple years early. That would have messed up God's entire plan that he had for Joseph. Joseph had to stay there for those two years, or God's plan would have messed up. You see, sometimes we have to put ourselves out of it and have to think, what is God doing? We have to put ourselves really in his shoes. Think about this. What does God want me to learn here? Okay, I may not be ready for this now, but what does he want me to learn from this? How does he want me to get better? So then when the time comes for me to receive whatever it is I want, then I'll be ready. That's all God wants for us. Sometimes he says no because you're not ready for what you think you're ready for. And sometimes parents do that. You know, you have to say no. You know, so what if the, if the child doesn't like it? So what if the child hates you for a while? You're doing what's best for him because he's not ready. She's not ready yet. You want what's best for him. Think about this. Parents want what's best for you, but God is the ultimate father. And he knows and wants what's absolutely best for you and catered towards you. And so if he wants that, and if he says no, thank him. Because when he says no, he's trying to help you. So when he says yes, then you have and you're ready for what you want and what God thinks you deserve. Notice, again, we're we're referring back to this book here. Watch this excerpt here. God answers prayers by doing what he knows is best for us, not what we think might be good for us. Can you recall a time when something you prayed for would have been foolish or maybe even disastrous to you. But as time passes, we look back and we realize God's will was so much better than ours. And that's the awesome thing about when God says no. When he says no, years later, when you look back, you can say, okay, I get it now. I understand why he said no. I understand why I couldn't have this then. You know, thinking about that basketball example that I that I just said, you know, I was thinking, you know, I'm so glad I wasn't there because it, it helped me and it helped me grow and it helped me become a better basketball player. And I ended up doing well. But spiritually, it's so much better. It's a thousand times better. You ever done that spiritually? You know, you go back and you think, man, I'm so glad this didn't happen because I wasn't ready for it yet. I wasn't ready. 
But now in the future, you can providentially look back and say, you know, the Lord was watching out for me. Look at this. There's a there's a poem here and it's just called Answered Prayer. And it really fights back. It, re- it really sounds like a, a spiritual fight with God. You know, you pray and you pray and you pray. And you don't get what you want, but God gives you what you need. Look at this. It says this. I ask God for power that I might ha- that I might have authority over others. But I was made humble that I might respect others. I ask God for strength that I might do great things for him. But I was made weak so I could do better things. I asked God for riches so I can be so happy. But I was given little so I can be wise. I asked God for greatness that I might have the praise of men. But I was given meekness that I might feel the need of God. I asked God for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I hoped for. Of all humanity, I am richly blessed. How awesome is that? That's amazing. And that's so parallel to, think about your life. It's parallel to mine. Think about yours. You ask for certain things, but God doesn't give you what you want. God doesn't give you what you uh, what you ask for, but he gives you what you need. And that's that's the mindset that you and I have to have when God says no. He may say no right now, but he's doing it because you need whatever he's giving you at the moment. Think about it like that. Then once you think about it like that, then you start to see God's answers and things rather than the things that you don't have. And then life becomes better. But if you reverse it and you think about what you don't have, life becomes bitter and you get mad at God. You get mad at God's people. You get mad at brothers and sisters in Christ because you don't have what you want. Then you become selfish, prideful, bitter, angry, wrathful. Then you become evil. But once you start looking at God's answers at things, then, then you'll realize how truly blessed you really are. And that's why Isaiah 40, 31. But they, notice, watch the word, that wait on the Lord. What will happen if you do that? Your strength will be renewed. And then you'll be able to fly like the eagle. How awesome is that? That's amazing. Look at this. One of the writers says this too. One idea of God's blessings includes material blessings, good health, happiness, a life uh, free from problems. But God's ideas of blessings may not fit that notion. His will for you and for me may include suffering. It may include illness. It may include financial strain. It may include heartbreak. But God's blessing for the Christian, watch this. This is so important, and you and I have to get this to understand his answers. God's blessings for the Christian is anything that draws us closer to him. 
You know the awesome thing about when God says no? It's an avenue and it's a way for you to get that much closer to him. Well, Lord, you don't understand how much I want this. Lord, you don't understand how much I need this in my life. No, you don't. Not yet. You need to get closer to me right now. But Lord, Lord, I've been praying about this for weeks, months, years. Lord, nothing's happened. What have you been doing in those weeks, months, years? You've been complaining the whole time? You've been getting bitter the whole time? Or have you been getting closer to me every single day? That's the goal. The goal of what, whatever happens to you and I, whether it does include illness, whether it does include suffering, whether it, it includes financial strain or even heartbreak, it doesn't matter what it includes. It is designed to get it closer relationship with God. How do we go about changing and exchanging our will, our personal desires, our wishes, and our goals for God's will? It's one thing to say, um, thy will be done, but how do you and I live that? What do we do? It must begin with the proper attitude. Our hearts must desire God's will in our lives above anything on this earth, above anything. And once we get that, we'll start to see God's answers in our lives. We'll start to see that God is really, really looking out for our best interests. I, I want to close with, with this example. Uh, the book gives this example here. There was a, uh, a family, uh, I believe this man was a preacher and his wife uh, and their son, you know, they were looking for a job. Uh, his, her husband lost the job. And she said all she did was pray every single day, Lord, uh, provide my husband with a job. Provide him with the right job that he needs. Um, help him. Help him in any way that you can. And so then uh, her husband went back to school. And then she prayed, Lord, he's going back to school. Please let this degree help him get the job that he wants. But I want you to notice what she discovered after praying like this for a while. This is an attitude I had to work on. When, when my husband, that she talks about, began working on his doctorate degree, I would pray, Lord, please help this degree help him for a job at a Christian college. That was my will. I was praying specifically for what I thought would be best for us. And you and I do that too, don't we? You know, we pray about things and we say, Lord, and we're specific about it too. Lord, please help this to happen. Please, please, please help this to happen. But have you ever thought that you're praying a little bit too much about what you think would be best for you? Now she says this, imagine my disappointment when my husband, what she says, did not get the first job he interviewed for at a Christian college. I finally realized how selfish my prayers had been and how small my faith in God's will was. My prayers have changed. Lord, you know what's best for our lives. I trust you completely with our future. Lead us to the place where we can serve you best. Now do you see how her attitude changed? You see how her prayer changed? Instead of saying needy things like I give, it was Lord, 
I trust. Lord, I know. Lord, you know. See, that's how we change our mindset. So when God says no, just like in the case of uh, this Christian lady here, just like in the case of, of Joseph, just like in the case of Job, all these, all these men you can pick in Scripture. And in the case of Christ, like we talked about in Matthew, sometimes God's knows are ways to help you get closer to him and help you to understand you may not be ready for what you ask for yet. You may not get what you want yet. But in the meantime, trust me and wait on me. And then once you do that, your strength will be renewed. Here's one more thing I want to look at. If you have your Bibles, go to Psalm um, Psalm 37. If you haven't studied this psalm, please, please, please study it. This is my favorite psalm out of all of them. It is so beautiful how David writes this. And he just, he basically leaves us with a prescription of what we need to do when we worry, when we doubt God, um, when we look around and see evildoers, he gives us a prescription here. And I want you to read this. It is, it is such a beautiful psalm. Psalm chapter 37, if I can get here. Psalm 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. So what do I do, David? What am I supposed to do? Here's your job. Number one, you trust in the Lord and you always do good. But you don't understand the evil that's going on. You don't understand what's going on. You trust in the Lord and you continue to do good no matter what. Again, remember, look at Joseph. Look at all the evil and the deceit and the accusing that was happening to this man. He's done absolutely nothing but try to help people. But over and over, Joseph could have been evil. Joseph could have been bitter. Joseph could have been accusatory. He could have done so much. But Joseph, no matter what was thrown his way, whether it was good things or whether it was terrible things like that, he always trusted in God and he always did good to anybody. And that's what you and I are to do. Now, is that easy? No. But it's commanded, so you're supposed to and I'm supposed to. All right, David, what else are we supposed to do? Trust in the Lord and you do good. And you'll dwell in the land and verily you'll be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Remember we're talking about praying? We're talking about praying to God and you pray about the desires. God knows what you want. He knows it. But trust him and delight in him and he'll give it to you. Commit the way unto the Lord and trust in him, and he'll bring it to pass. And he'll bring forth your righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Then you rest in the Lord, and you wait patiently for him. Don't fret yourself because of people who prosper in their way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. This is your job. This is my job. While I wait, while maybe I don't understand what's going on, it's my job. And it's your job as a Christian to cease from anger, to forsake wrath, 
and fret not thyself in any wise, no situation to do evil. Because evildoers are going to be cut off. But they that wait upon the Lord, they will inherit the earth. That's our job. When God says no, whether you understand it or not, when things are happening around you, when evildoers are doing well around you, your job is to trust and do good, delight in the Lord, commit your way to him, trust in him again, rest in him and wait on him, and then you are to cease from anger and a forsake wrath. And in any wise, don't you dare do evil. Don't do it. Well, how, how can I do that? Joseph didn't. Joseph was thrown in the pit by his own family. Joseph was accused of doing something he didn't do. Joseph helped someone who forgot about him and left him in jail for two years. In any wise, do no evil. If Joseph can do it, if Christ, all those people that he made, Christ made those people that hurt him. If Christ could do that, if Job can do that, if Joseph can do that, then Jordan can do that too. And you can do that too. Don't fret to do evil. Because God gives us a warning. If you're evil, you're going to be cut off with all the evildoers too. So just follow this prescription no matter what's thrown your way. The scripture becomes real when God says no. I hope you enjoyed that study today. I know that I did. Um, This is um, such a good subject for me. Uh, Hopefully it was for you. Again, please study this book um, along with, with the scripture. But again, those who wait... Learning How to Wait on the Lord in an Impatient World by Rosemary McKnight. Um, you can get this at any lectureship. They always have it there for like eight, nine bucks. It is the best eight, nine bucks you can spend there. It's a great book. Um, really helps you change your mindset. It really helps you to really just learn to trust God when he says no. So that's the podcast for today. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Please, please subscribe on YouTube. Just look at When the Scriptures Become Real podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Look up again When the Scriptures Become Real. It's there. You can subscribe there. For you Android users, you can also subscribe on Google uh, on Google Play. We are now on there, too. Uh, so you can look there, too. So we're trying to get on all the major um, sites or hosting places that, that you can host podcasts. Um, but again, um, you know, we're all learning how to do this together. I continue to, um, pray for you, pray for what you guys are doing, uh, where you are. Uh, hopefully the gospel is, um, doing well where you are and it's moving and it has free course. I ask that you pray for me as well as I continue to work here and, and do, uh, the Lord's work here. And we're all on the same team. We're in different places. Uh, We're on the same team, trying to get to the same place, um, trying to help each other get there. You know, I'm still working. I don't have everything figured out. Um, So I'm trying to work and and study and grow along with you, too. Um, So that's the podcast for the day, and we'll see you, uh, Lord willing, next week.